Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. It's just so beautiful. Praise God. No, I've, um, I've been undone. I want to say thank you to Lauren for that beautiful word. That was just beautiful. Just beautiful. Yay, yay, yay. Well done. Well done. Jessica says, Jessica leans over to me. She says, she sounds like you. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's good. <laughs> we, we're in that um, the message is coming through loud and clear. Oh, how he loves us. You know, how we love him. And that's the privilege that we have, isn't it, as sons and daughters, that we get to be loved by God and we get to experience that love and receive it by faith. And I'm going to share a little bit with you um, today on some of that. But, you know, I just am so excited about this time that we're living in. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of shaking and there's a lot of things that the Lord's saying, but... I tell you what, God has a magnificent plan and a purpose and he's waiting for the beautiful bride to wake up and recognize that she has a big part to play, that we are not victims that sit along and just go for the ride, but we are called for such a time as this. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, we've been speaking so much about the importance of identity and, uh, and this is, it's the, the next step is that we, w- we wake up and we recognize the noble responsibility we have as magnificent sons and daughters of the Most High God. We've been called for a purpose, and uh, that's the privilege that we have. I was so blessed to see all the things that God did. I shared a few of them with you on, on little videos, and um, but to watch and see... How the Lord is just touching and healing bodies never ceases to amaze me. And, um, and people, as I said, where they were traveling in, they were coming from long distances to get healed. And, and it was so beautiful. We still are getting the testimonies come in because I love to see people go back to their doctors, get the reports, get the uh, testimonies and get it checked out. And people are sending in their reports. There was one lady who had a heart condition um, and she had to continually carry a monitor with her. She, she went back to her doctor and she's come back with a report that says, yes, completely healed. Hallelujah. Absolutely free. Uh, one man had a completely deaf ear. God opened his deaf ear and then touched his knee that was going to need surgery and completely healed him. Hallelujah. People were, were running around all excited. And, and um, a mother brought a young boy that was uh, autistic and legally blind, had very, very little sight. And um, I just got him to look at me and was praying for him. And uh, I had the privilege of watching his eyes. Just God touched him. And he, he, God instantly touched and healed his eyes. And to see him walking around the room looking at things was so wonderful. Just blessed my heart. And had another man who had a stutter instantly healed gloriously. I mean, it's beautiful. We've seen that before. We, we saw a, a young boy in, in um, South Carolina uh, who, who had a terrible stutter get up and speak in front of 2,000 people and just demonstrate that God had completely healed him. And so there's nothing impossible for Jesus. Amen. And we just love the reports. We love to hear the, uh, the miracles and the healings. But as I shared um, on that little video I sent through uh, the other week, you know, my heart has just been contending and saying, Lord, you know, it is not too much to ask 
that everybody who comes to my meetings gets healed. Because everyone that came to Jesus looking for a healing, looking for a miracle, the Bible says he healed them all. I mean, he didn't heal everybody that was sick, but he healed everybody that came to him looking for help. Everybody that asked, everybody that asked received, everybody that reached out, the Bible says they came with all kinds of diseases and sicknesses, and he healed them all. And so I just started contending with God saying, you know, because I could see, I can see these people, they're coming from everywhere. Just in Sydney today, a lady traveled 800 miles to get healed. And, you know, my heart just goes, God, it is not a big ask. It's not a big ask to ask that everybody gets healed. And and I was just contending with God on this. I know people have been saying this for years and years and, and crying out for that. But hey, it's not a big deal. That's just what Jesus did. And he said, greater works than these should we do, right? So we need to wake up and stop thinking like mere humans and start recognizing, hey, this should be normal. And so I was contending with God um, on, I think it was a Friday night uh, two weeks ago. And Cindy Jacobs was ministering. And oh, thank you, Jesus. You gave me a good word. Yay. Jesus loves Catherine. Yay. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I was contending through the service. Just my heart was breaking for these people that were so desperate to have God touch them. And I was, I was saying, come on, God, it's not too much to ask. That's, uh, that, I am not, this is not a big thing. I, and I was contending with this word, Lord, you heal them all. Come on, Lord, I want this. I want you to heal them all because I want your glory to be uh, known throughout the lands. And um, so after the service, as I was leaving, I went to get in the car, the vehicle, as the Americans would say. I had Tony Thompson and uh, Tom Wilson and uh, my friend Kelly Horn with me. And we got into the, into the vehicle. And as we, as we did, as I was getting in, this guy comes up to me and he's walking two big dogs. And he, he just comes up to me with this big grin on his face and says, pick a number between one and 22. And I said, hi, what's your name? And he says, Michael, pick a number between 1 and 22. And I said, okay, Michael, uh, 10. And he says, okay, I've got a scripture for you. And he opens the scripture up to Matthew and he reads, and he healed them all. And I got in the car and thought, oh, God. Does Michael have dogs? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether I had an encounter with an angel or whether God just sent a, a man. But I tell you what, God spoke to me. And I believe that he is looking for every one of us to start contending for more. It's not just for you, it's for the nations. Hallelujah. It's not okay for us to settle for what we've known. God is looking for us to look to the God of the impossible to do the impossible. Hallelujah. This is the awakening. Hallelujah. That we would wake up and lay hold of what God's already laid hold of for us. Mm-mm. Shaba. So, this sort of attitude 
gets birthed out of an understanding that God is awakening us to the reality of who we are in Christ. In knowing his great love for us, oh, how he loves us, and opening up our hearts to receive his mercy, this God that looks at us and is happy to see us every time we come to him. That stunning thought that still undoes me, that every time I come to him, no matter how I've been behaving, he looks at me and says, ah, you're all together lovely. Looks at me and says, ah, I'm so happy to see you. When we think, you should be telling me that I haven't been spending enough time. He looks and goes, ah, come here. Come closer, I want to kiss you. I want to love, love on you. I want to lavish love on you. You are beautiful. You are kind. You are unselfish. And you go, God, I've been this and I've been that. I've been lazy. I've been selfish. You know, and I believe in the power of repentance. I believe in that. I live it every day. Everything that, anything that might even possibly have grieved the spirit of God, I want to repent and give it to him. I don't want to carry it. I give it to him and I receive his mercy by faith. So understand what I'm saying. But he doesn't look at me and judge me and get offended with me and hold it in his heart thinking, well, you know what, I really shouldn't just be very kind because you you need to learn a bit of a lesson. That's not who he is. He is the picture of the prodigal father, the father of the son that went away and he ran toward him the moment he saw him. That's who God is to us every moment of every day. Hallelujah. And that's who he is every time you come to worship him. Even if you feel like a hypocrite, the Bible tells us he is greater than our hearts. Though our hearts condemn us, he is greater than our hearts. He is a good, good father. Hallelujah. And he's looking for us to believe it. As I share so regularly, the just shall live by faith. We've actually got to exercise faith deliberately every day in the reality of who he is. So that we, we don't allow the, uh, the shame of the enemy to, to cover us. Because the Bible says those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Shame covers the light. It is designed to make you shrink away from shining brightly. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So if the enemy can steal from you the truth of your righteousness, he will steal from you the boldness to shine. Hallelujah. So God continually looks for us to take captive every thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. That is, any thought you have about yourself that doesn't measure up with who Christ is in you has no right to be in your brain. So you might know it theoretically, but if you are feeling like you wake up in the morning and you feel like a hypocrite or you feel like, oh, you know, if you think about yourself, oh, I feel selfish, I'm, I'm, I'm irresponsible or I'm this or I'm lazy or I'm undisciplined. All of those thoughts need to be taken captive because it is no longer you who lives when you've been born again, but Christ who lives in you, and you are not allowed to be defined any longer by the one that no longer lives. So every thought you have about yourself needs to be disciplined into submission to the knowledge of Christ. 
You need to take it captive and you need to remember that's nailed to the cross, that identity. So say you, are, you have a day where you're lazy and you're irresponsible and you're selfish. You go to God and you say, Lord, that was selfish. I'm really sorry. I give you that. Forgive me. I receive your mercy. Then you deliberately remind yourself of, thank you, God. I reckon myself dead today. I remind myself that by the great grace of God, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I'm going to deliberately set my mind on the things that God says about me. I'm going to think about who he is, the knowledge of him, things above. And I'm going to remind myself that just as he is, full of grace, full of mercy, unselfish, selfish, generous, kind, patient, the very definition of love, that is who I am. I am kind. I am patient. I am generous. I am unselfish. I am full of love. I am full of joy. This is better preaching than you're reacting. How you feel about yourself is really important because it will steal from you the joy of your salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you're feeling bad about yourself, you're not going to be happy. So you have to live by faith. Deliberately, I'm going to live today by faith, not by my feelings. I'm going to tell my feelings, soul, sort yourself out. I am not led by you. I'm led by the Spirit of God who's in me. And today I reckon myself dead and I remind myself I have the mind of Christ and any thought that is exalting itself against the knowledge of who he is, is illegal in my thinking and my feeling. This is illegal. It is poison and I will not tolerate it. It's not me any longer. This isn't about me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when the accuser comes and he says, you're so selfish, you're so unspiritual, you're, you're lazy, you're this, you're that. You come and you turn around and you say, who are you talking about? Because no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Are you challenging Jesus? God wants us to deliberately live by faith, to take it to the next level and actually apply it, actually live it day to day and speak to one another in ways that help us to be spurred on to love and good deeds. So we call out in one another the truth of who we are. If your spouse is being cranky or unkind or selfish, instead of telling them, you're so selfish, you're unkind, you're this, you're that, you've got a bad attitude, you tell them, you, you tell them what God sees about them. You say, oh, you're so generous. You're so, so patient. Find something about them that, that reflects the nature of God and remind them of what they look like. Speak to one another, encourage one another in the identity, the truth of who we are in Christ. Because in knowing this, it's not just about you feeling good. It then empowers you to begin to live as he is. As a man thinks in his heart, 
So is he. So if every moment you are thinking the thoughts of God, you are thinking about yourself, how God thinks yourself, uh, how God thinks about you, then you are going to, instead of needing to receive from everybody else, you're going to be able to overflow with his goodness. Your mind is going to be fixed on him. If we love ourselves like God loves us, We're going to be so full. We're not going to be drawing from anybody else. Our need isn't going to be reaching out to try and get affirmation from everybody else. But we're going to be walking around with a grin on our face that feels, I'm so loved. I mean, think about that. If we're supposed to love ourselves as God loves us, that's pretty radical. His love requires supernatural help to be able to comprehend And then he says, with that love, I want you to love yourself so that you can love others. Being critical and judgmental of yourself doesn't actually come into that equation. Hmm, hallelujah. In knowing that, then, we can begin to grow up into maturity. We can begin to exercise the uh, authority that's been given us. And that is what so much of our walk with the Lord, the process that we go through, brings us into supernatural revelation that, wow, he loves me. Wow, this is how he feels about me. Wow, I take that, I apply it. This is how I feel about myself. I feel bold as a lion. I feel confident to be able to release the love of God. And then you start to really get into the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is thinking radical thoughts. He's thinking world-changing thoughts. He's thinking nation-shifting thoughts. You begin to pray not as somebody that hopes something will happen, but as somebody that knows, hallelujah, God and me, we are together. He is on my side. I am part of him. I can pray and make decrees for the nation. We begin to pray and, and see shift and change take ha- happen. I, I get grieved when I see people hearing some of the prophecies that get released and the, and the warnings that come and ha- take the attitude of just talking about them and getting all worked up and getting upset or you know, looking out to see how they can protect themselves because they are forgetting that these things, when they come, are an opportunity for us to rise up in our authority and speak with God and exercise the kingly and priestly anointing that we've been given to see change happen in the nations. I want to read to you um, a scripture from Genesis chapter 18. You might know this story. The Lord is, he comes and he talks with Abraham and he tells him um, that this time next year, Sarah's going to have a baby. Hallelujah. And he says this in verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed for I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. 
And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry which has come to me, and if, if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. And Abraham replied, Now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. He spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose 40 are found there. And he said, I'll not do it on account of the 40. Then he said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry, and shall I speak? Uh, Suppose 30 are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Now behold, I ventured to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on account of the 20. Then he said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak only this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on account of the ten. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his place. I often wonder what would have happened had Abraham gone down to five, gone down to two, gone down to one. I believe the Lord would have continued. But you know, when the Lord spoke with Abraham and said, said to himself, will I share with Abraham what I'm about to do? He was issuing an invitation to Abraham to begin to step up into the place of privilege that he had been given as a friend of God. You know, when we hear about warnings and things to come, I'm not saying they're they're good or bad. I mean, I've received uh, dreams about things to come. But I believe often when God shows us things that are to come, they're not for us to go, oh, well, you know, I was right, I heard this. They're not for us to, you know, go and tell each other to store up food and look after yourself. I believe God is looking for us to care about the nations that we have been brought brought into. Abraham wasn't asking just for his relatives. He was asking for the whole city. And the Lord is waiting to see if we, walking in the reality of our righteous identity, would begin to love like he loves and care about our cities and our nations, to prevail upon the character of God and begin to intercede, not as victims, but as those that are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I believe God is waiting for us to begin to pray with a joyful, 
expectation, a faith that comes from knowing I am beloved by God. I am righteous. I am being being made clean by the blood of the lamb and I'm going to intercede on behalf of my nation. You know, I believe that we have been given governing authority in the nation that we've been born in. Here in Australia, we've been given governing authority. You, whatever you may think about the government, the government is on Christ's shoulders. And now as he is, so are you in this world. He says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you bind uh, loose on, on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What are we doing with the great privileges that we have? I believe God is looking for the bride to begin to stand up and begin to walk in regal authority, to walk knowing, hallelujah, I've been made born again. I've been given the very nature of Christ. I've been made a new creation. The spirit of the sovereign God is upon me. I've been clothed with power from on high. Now, Lord, what do you want to do? Christ in us is not looking for you just to have a nice little life. Christ in you wants to be magnified and he wants to affect the world around you. Think about this. If Joseph caused the whole household of Potiphar to be blessed, how much more should Australia live blessed because of the righteous living in the nation? It's a spiritual principle, but unless we actually begin to exercise it, we are living selfishly. I'm going to tell you the truth. I wrote a word about this on the Elijah list, and some people didn't like it, but that's okay because I believe God does. God is looking for us not to get excited when bad things are happening. You know, I see it sometimes happen. Some Christians, when they hear words of judgment, they feel like, yeah, good, they deserve it. This will teach them a lesson. I've seen that attitude. And they might not even realize they've got it, but I see it coming out. Well, they deserve it for what they've done. But that is not the heart of God. God's heart is that we would begin to intercede and say, Lord, would you not spare the land for the sake of 50 righteous? God's heart is that we wouldn't live with this small-minded thinking, but that we would live recognizing that we have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. We've been brought into this nation for such a time as this, and we have authority, governing authority in the earth, and it's time for us to pick up the keys and use them. This whole thing with identity should so shift your thinking that when, when opposition happens, when difficult things come, you see it as an opportunity for Christ to be magnified and made glorious. Hallelujah. Where you begin to see opportunities like David, when he saw Goliath, he was like, woohoo, who gets to take him out? 
He wasn't thinking of himself. He wasn't, he wasn't thinking with small mindedness. He was thinking, praise God, this is a wonderful opportunity to see God's name lifted up. We've got an unrighteous Philistine coming against the armies of the living God. Come on, this is exciting. Who gets to take him out? So as believers, instead of looking at difficult things and talking about how terrible everything is, we need to remind ourselves what we actually look like. And we need to begin to recognize that we've been called to make decrees. We've been called to stand in the gap. We've been called as people that have been given this incredible privilege that the world around us might see him and know him. Hallelujah. I believe the heart of God for you and I is to be a blessing everywhere we go. Your workplace should be blessed because you are there. Your workplace should be prosperous because you're there. Your school should be blessed because you're there. Your friends should be experiencing the joy, the blessing of God because you're there. Hallelujah. Our city, this area, should be rejoicing and blessed because Glory City Church is here. Hallelujah. And, and we make no apologies for that attitude because if we don't have that attitude, we are deceived as to who we actually are. If it's no longer we but Christ who lives in us, the city should be absolutely rejoicing. Hallelujah. The city rejoices when the righteous rule. When are the righteous going to step up and start ruling? God's waiting for us to begin to exercise spiritual authority in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. The cities of our nation need and are groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That is, they are waiting for the, for the righteous ones to start ruling and reigning. I'm not talking about necessarily getting into physical positions. I'm talking about taking our position in the spirit and making decrees and exercising governmental, priestly, kingly authority as the rulers of, of, um, of this nation in the spirit. Hmm. You see, what we've been given is so precious. It's so powerful. It is just natural for those who know who they are to behave as, that, as who they think they are. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe that you've been raised up with him, that you are seated with him in heavenly places, it's just normal for you to start thinking from a place of kingly and priestly anointing. It's normal for you to start thinking, well, thank you, I can talk to my father about that. It's normal for you to know that you've got incredible, the incredible privilege of having the ear of God. Mm-mm. Father, I thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you for your grace. And Lord, I ask that right now, 
Father, that you would help us wake up. Lord, that you would help your people wake up and recognize who they are. Lord, I'm asking for each and every one, Lord, to, to understand and know by your spirit Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith. Lord, that they would truly get a revelation that you now live in them. It is no longer them who live, but Christ who lives in them. That they would have revelation, supernatural revelation in the knowledge of you by the Spirit, O oh God. That they would truly comprehend you living in them. That they might be able to stand up and shine the light of Christ. Hallelujah. You know, we're in a few minutes, we're going to take communion and, and I'm going to pray for a few people when we do, before we do that. But before I do that, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're here and you know in your heart you haven't responded to the mercy of Christ and surrendered your life to him, the Lord is looking for us to engage in divine exchange with him, where we say, Lord, here's my life. I exchange it for your life. I give you my sin and I receive your forgiveness and your mercy. I want to be a new creation in Christ. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to give you my life and I want a new identity. I want you to be my God and I want to live for you. I need your help. Come into my life and make me new on the inside. That only happens when you freely come to him and say, Lord, I want, I want relationship with you. I want to respond to your mercy. I want to surrender to you. And I want to come into union with you. If you're here today and you know in your heart you are not walking with God, you are not walking in relationship with him, but you want to respond to the mercy of God, I want to pray for you right now before we go on and pray for anybody else. If that's you and you know in your heart that you're away from God, I want you just to lift your hand and I want to pray for you right now. If you want to respond to the mercy of God, give him your life and become a new creation today. I want to pray for you all across this room. If that's you, wave your hand at me and I want to pray for you today. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? Yes, I see your hand. That's beautiful. Anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to respond to God's mercy today. I see your hand. That's beautiful. Thank you. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Yes, it's beautiful. Anybody else here today says, yes, that's me. I want to come into relationship with God. I want to surrender my life and I want to be a new creation. I see your hand. That's so beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if that's you and you've said yes, Today's the day. I want to get my life right with God. I want to come into relationship. I want to be a new creation today. Would you come quickly? And I want to lay my hands on you and I want to pray for you. Would you give them a hand as they come? Come quickly. I want to pray for you. Come on. I want to pray for you. Come quickly. Come, come. Give, keep clapping. Come on. I want to pray for you. Come on. I want to pray for you today. Hallelujah. Keep coming. Come on. Come on up here and I'm going to pray with you. Come, you can come here. That's lovely. Come on, guys. So good. Well done. If you want to join them right now, you can come and join them. And we want to, we're going to pray together. Hello.
Okay, hallelujah. Well, would you all just pray this after me right now? This is so precious. It's so powerful. It means so much to your Father. Say this after me. Father God, I believe you sent your Son, Jesus, to be punished for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and rose again. Right now, Father, I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my old identity. And I declare that you forgive me. I receive your mercy. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to know you in ever increasing ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We rejoice over you, over them, just as you do, Papa. We celebrate. Now, I want you, church, I want you to reach your hands out and I want you to pray for these ones. I want you to pray that when they lie down and they get up, that they'd know and experience the love of God, that every day they'd grow more aware of how precious they are to you, how special they are to you. Would you just pray right now? Come on. I want you to pray out loud like they're your sisters, your brothers, your children, your mother, your father. Come on, pray for them each and every day. Pray that God will touch them. Father, thank you. Father, I thank you. Yes, God. Seal them, Father. Seal them with your love, Papa. Seal them. Let them know and experience your great love. Let it be so real. Let it be so powerful. Lord, as they lie down and as they get up, let them know and experience the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of your great love. Let them be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Give them supernatural revelation of your faith. That they might know you and experience you, Daddy. <laughs> Fill them with joy. Lord, help them, Lord, get supernatural, divine connections, oh God, in the body. Lord, let them be. Help them, Papa. Lord, touch them. Help them, Jesus. Fill them up, Daddy. <laughs> Lord, let them experience your great love. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's just God. <laughs> He's beautiful. He loves you. He loves you so much. So much. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you guys just to go with Pastor Joel here. He's going to take you and I just want to get your name and encourage you and pray for you. Hallelujah. Give him a big hand. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love Papa.